It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. As uh, we welcome in Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, O-W-H, and Evan, uh, we're going to talk a little baseball today, maybe some football. We'll mix that in. How are you doing today? Hey, doing uh, oh, doing all right. Sun's out and uh, cannot complain. Well, what do you think of this uh, this gauntlet for Nebraska as they'll open up on Friday against Baylor, Texas Tech, and uh, then Oklahoma? It's a little reunion time with the Big 12. We'll start there. And I know, listen, great work, first and foremost, on the preview you put out with the World Herald uh, with not only the pitching but also the uh, the infield, the returning. And, you know, it's 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 going to be a fun season, we think, for Nebraska, but they are not messing around out of the gate. Yeah, you know, the preview, like, positionally kind of felt more necessary than it does in some years just because of – all the turnover that there is. I mean, you're going to have three new infielders uh, that fans haven't seen in Husker uniforms before. You're talking about almost a full bullpen reset, a new look starting rotation, and you take all that and you go down to the billion-dollar home of the defending World Series champs in Arlington, Texas, and take on, uh, you know, like you said, three old Big 12 rivals that are at different points in their own uh, you know, journeys as programs. And so it, it will be, it'll be a big test out of the gate. I mean, uh, you know, it, there's always the, the, the standard cold weather challenge of, Hey, you've been shagging balls and Memorial stadium and then Hartog, and now you're going South and these games start to count. So like there is a, an urgency to really hit the ground running and, you know, they, they feel like they have a good team. You don't really know until the games get started uh, you know, Baylor only won 20 games last year. They had a coaching change a year ago, and so maybe that's a game that you want to start with to get your feet under you a little bit. And then the big one's going to be uh, Texas Tech on Saturday, number 21, and uh, you know a team that's not uh, a stranger to Omaha and getting here to the College World Series. And then you wrap it up with Oklahoma that was in the CWS finals just two years ago. So you're going to find out a lot about um, Nebraska. I think they'll find out a lot about themselves here just in a few days. Yeah, Evan, you talk about the, the, the necessary preview for this team because there are so many new faces. That's not just within the team. That also extends to the coaching staff as you have Mike Sirianni, a new face uh, on the, in the dugout, I should say, this year. You have Rob Childress, who is moving from an analyst role, essentially, to an actual on-field coaching role. Uh, whenever you, you combine that, the new faces on staff, the new faces on the roster, 
you think that's evidence that that Coach Bolt is feeling the pressure a little bit of this job, knowing he needs to get some results this year? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can look at it that way. I think you can look at it too to just say like he's a competitive guy, and if you look at his coaching history in in, in you know fifteen twenty years since he's left Nebraska as a player, like he's used to making regionals. He did it as an assistant at Nebraska regularly. He did it at Texas A and M when he was an assistant there. Uh, when he was a junior college head coach, he had success as well. And so, the last two years, um, you know that that'll that'll stick in the craw of any competitor. And I think he knew uh, at the end of last season that they just didn't have the depth of talent that they needed to be an at-large regional team. And that was reflected in the struggles in the midweek. They were a 500 team there. And while they had some of the high-end talent, you know, you're talking about four top ten rounders, they didn't have the guys, um, you know, in, in, in maybe roster spots 21 to 40 to get Nebraska where it needed to be. And so they addressed that, as you mentioned, through some coaching changes. Uh, those two coaches in particular, Childress and Sirianni, are well-known recruiters. And you can, uh, you can bet that a number of these players who are here, whether through the portal junior college freshmen are here because of the presence of those two guys, or at least one of those uh, assistants. And so now you come to the portion of the season where, at least on paper, the talent's there. There's a lot of proven contributors who who have done it at other college stops. And now it becomes development. Can, can you get more out of some of these hitters? Can some of these pitchers who uh, maybe have swing and miss stuff but didn't have uh, great command elsewhere, can they take that next step and know where the ball's going and um, you know, elevate their game and, and be high-leverage, trustworthy arms? And that's really kind of the big question for Nebraska baseball this year is uh, do they have a depth of arms or do they just not have any stars? And I, th- I think it kind of depends on how you look at it at this point. But, again, like the games are coming. You're going to have – 56 games here coming up over the next few months. Uh, it's going to start with a challenge this weekend. Grand Canyon for four next weekend. I think we'll show even more what the depth of this team is and what it has. And as we know, like these first few weeks, especially in the north, are important RPI builders because you don't get those chances as much on the back end uh, in league play to have these statement wins uh, the way that you would in the SEC or the ACC. So really important early stretch for Nebraska, as it always is. They feel like they have something, and we're about to find out. Evan Bland with us, a little bit of a preview with Nebraska baseball, Hail Varsity Radio. Evan, what's your, your read in on Drew Christo? Uh, super talented, but not going to be in the starting rotation, not the Friday, not the Saturday, not the Sunday against these uh, named teams from a, a Power 5 league. Well, we'll see how that goes with him as the season goes on. You know, I wonder if part of the reason he's not in the rotation this weekend uh, is just because he wasn't fully stretched out or his stuff wasn't where he wanted it to be. I think Wilbur left open certainly the possibility that that could change uh, even as soon as next weekend when you have four games and you have to have somebody start that one and you're going to need midweek starters and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, Christo, like the ability has always been there, the swing and miss stuff. He uh, has obvious intangibles as a leader. He's, he's smart, good kid. Um, you know, everybody uh, from the Elkhorn area certainly is familiar with what he and his family are all about. And really, the thing that's held him back at times has been the command and, and knowing where the ball's going consistently 
uh, pitch in and pitch out. And so I think he's a really interesting case study for the impact of Rob Childress and what uh, immediate impact that that he leaves on this staff. Um, when, when you look at what Childress has done elsewhere, it's been all about uh, simplifying mechanics, pitch repeatability, mastering the vanilla uh, to the point to where guys uh, can can consistently throw strikes. And I think if Christo gets to that point, and by a lot of accounts, uh, he, he showed that in the fall and even in team workouts these last few weeks, then suddenly he's got the ability to be a major force and an impact arm in, in what Nebraska wants to do. So uh, I think that there's still a good chance that uh, we'll see him out of the bullpen this weekend. We'll see what that role becomes as he goes along, but certainly uh, a guy just in terms of talent and pedigree to watch and, and see as an X factor this season. Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald talking Husker baseball and check out his position by position breakdown of this year's Husker baseball team that's on the Omaha World Herald and Evan as we look ahead to this weekend in particular who are some some guys the Husker fans should be watching for maybe new faces maybe returners I don't really care there but just guys that you think need to be guys that are gonna have to step up this year for Husker baseball to have a good season outside of some of the names you've already listed. Well, I mean, the offense is going to be a different look. It's, they're not going to hit 97 home runs, which was a school record last year. It's going to be, uh, I think, more versatile. You're going to be relying a little bit more on small ball, manufacturing runs, stealing bases, hitting runs, things of that nature. And, you know, you look in the outfield, and there are a number of guys who have proven it over multiple seasons. I mean, Gabe Swanson is one of the top returning home run hitters in the Big Ten that was sort of overshadowed by what, Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson did last year. Garrett Anglum is fully healthy, and uh, he was hampered by a, a hamstring at times last year. I think Riley Silva, who will be a new center fielder, will be really interesting to watch. He's got high-end speed that you're going to see play uh, in the field, and you'll probably see play when he's legging out bunts and trying to steal bases and things like that. Um, and then, you know, the infield is going to be a different look as well. I mean, it, the team is really high on Josh Overbeek, who's another transfer switch hitter uh, at third base. They like uh, Caden Brumbaugh, who transferred from Oklahoma State a year ago, got hurt and didn't play last year. He's fully healthy uh, and should be up the middle there. And then, um, you know, first base, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. There's a true freshman, Case Sanderson, who has left a strong impression on the team, had a really good summer before he got to Lincoln. Uh, and then Ty Stone, who who played at uh, Iowa Western, also at first base. Big kid, power kid. So just kind of seeing how that offense comes together I think will be fascinating. The, uh, on the pitching side, to me, um, it, I think the bullpen might be the strength of this group. And they, they reset it in the offseason. You're going to have Casey Dice as the closer to uh, to start out of the gate. Uh, he's, he's a transfer in from the junior college level. Uh, Rands Sanders, who was at Omaha last year, he's a Grand Island kid uh, who who has a track record of success. Kyle Perry's back, so like there are just a number of names you can kind of list defense uh, in, out of the bullpen um, that Nebraska can use to really shorten the game to where maybe they don't need their starter to go six or seven innings the way that they have some years. Maybe five innings is good enough, and you can kind of uh, hand it off to the relay team from there. So we'll see how that part shakes out. But uh, you know they had one of the best. Junior college classes in the country coming in by a lot of accounts. Um, and then you can throw in some true freshman pitchers, Tucker Timmerman, Ryan Harahill, uh, and Ty Horn, 
who have been really impressive uh, internally here too. So uh, lots to shake out still, but you can definitely see just in terms of upside a lot of ways that it could work. Evan, we'll squeeze one last baseball thought in before we try and get to a little football. And what do you make of Nebraska coming in where they're at in the Big Ten rankings? Well, I, you know, I put them third. I think the coaches today put them fifth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's to me it's Iowa, it's Indiana, and then you can kind of make what you want of it. You know, Rutgers, you can make a case this could be their breakthrough year. Michigan, maybe. I think Penn State will be better than what they were. But really, until further notice, based on track record and guys that are back, I, I think Iowa with its one-two punch in the rotation and then what Indiana has back offensively, those have to be your favorites going in. And Nebraska's going to see both of them, so you'll see how that shakes out. But I think the Big Ten, until it goes to a 17-team league next year, uh, probably has the look of another three-bid league this year. And, and again, I think the Hawkeyes and Hoosiers are at the top right now. You answered the follow-up. How good will the Big Ten be this year? And uh, that's a great answer. Uh, well, <laughs> next year, baby. <laughs> next year with the West Coast schools coming in. Evan Bland with us from the World Herald, talking Husker baseball, Huskers and Baylor at 11 on Friday to get the season uh, started. With football, what did you make a, a Coach Rule's comments last night, specifically just how how much he jumps on the table for, for Tony White? I mean, you, you want that, but... That would have been devastating, Evan, to lose your defensive coordinator if it, if it got to that, if, if Tony White would have gotten an offer from UCLA. No doubt. Not ideal in mid-February to be looking for a defensive coordinator and certainly not uh, you know somebody who's been as impactful as Tony White has been. And no, I mean, you had to sweat it out. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah, he was a UCLA alum. Certainly they spoke with him, and Matt Rule spoke with uh, their AD about that situation, and ultimately it didn't go that way. But it is—it's a strange spot. Like on the one hand, um, you know, if you're the head coach, like you want to stump for your guys and you want to support your guys, and a one mark of a healthy program is your assistants being recognized for what they've done and getting opportunities to advance their careers elsewhere. Um, again, on the other hand, it's a huge season coming up for Nebraska, and you want uh, your best people in place and and um, you know be ready to play complimentary football moving forward. Ultimately, I think it's it's Matt Rule doing the right thing, but I think also it sends a pretty strong message to coaches that may want to work for him in the future to say, hey, this this guy is going to advance your career. This guy is going to advocate for you. He's he's going to have your best interests in mind um and and so i think even it's sort of the best of both worlds for nebraska now where they get tony white for at least one more year uh certainly he's going to get some head coaching opportunities sooner than later but it also uh, i think puts out a pretty strong message in the coaching community that nebraska is a good place to play because uh you're going to be recognized for what you do and have a chance to move on i think this news though this week with with ucla and all the rumors i think is further evidence that Nebraska at the moment is just renting Tony White until he gets that head coaching <laughs> opportunity. And Evan, I want to get your thoughts as you look Up at the, the rent. As you look at the 2024 season, <laughs> it's a great idea, Schmitty. But another option is to you know have another apartment in mind, if you will. Do you think any other coaches? It's not going to be as nice, brother. But do you think any other coaches <laughs> have added responsibilities in 2024 in preparation for potentially Tony White leaving next off season? You're asking like who would who would be the who's next on the uh, short list? Who, yeah, who's on the short list? Yeah, I mean it's a good question. Like you can kind of go through 
the defensive assistance and you know, you, you, it's, I kind of like to play that game sometimes where you kind of project like what's a guy's um, ceiling or, or, or his best uh, fit. You know, I think Terrence Knighton's done a really good job as a defensive lineman. I don't know what his ambitions are, but he strikes me as somebody who uh, you know could grow certainly in his career and maybe take that next step. Rob Dvorak um, is somebody who has been highly acclaimed from prospects and what they do. And then obviously Evan Cooper, who um, has a reputation as a talent evaluator, rules right hand man, has been with him every step of the way. That you, you could see sort of a natural. Uh, evolution there if that's something that both parties wanted to do um so i don't know maybe they would promote it from within maybe matt rule would go back out and and identify somebody else uh, who has sort of that 335 knowledge that uh, they valued the first time around so certainly at this point something you would think matt rule and that staff and that program would have in mind uh, just considering the attention tony white's getting now and um, you know, maybe uh, you would think that they're certainly going to be prepared for that contingency when it happens. Evan, thanks for the time today, bud. We'll check in with you next week. Thanks, guys. See you.